That's a great point, Lance. I, I do think about that because I hear these stories of these uh, cancer survivors. Someone's diagnosed with stage four cancer. A doctor says you have three months to live. And they're like, I don't have three months to live. I'm a survivor. I'm going to fight this thing. And they fight with every cell of their being. And the cancer goes away and it goes into remission. They become the healthiest human being. Whereas other people, you know, they drink too much or they take one ecstasy pill, they overdose, or they, they die yeah. in their sleep. But there's people that, like I said, secretly are suicidal or they have dark thoughts. I don't know the science behind it, but I do feel every living being either has the will to live or the will to die. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get Welcome to the University of Adversity. So one of the number one things I get asked all the time is, Lance, when are you going to launch a podcast course? When can I learn to do what you do? So now the time has finally come. And I've partnered up with another fellow podcaster, Julian Guterlai from Green Planet, Blue Planet. We have over 400 episodes combined, reached multiple tens of thousands of people, and impacted a lot of lives. We decided to come together and create an eight-week program. We're going to do eight 90-minute calls throughout the process. We're going to break down how it all works from start to finish. Podcasting is an interesting game right now. A lot of people fail because they don't get the right information in the beginning and they either quit because they underestimate the amount of work it takes or they just don't know what they're doing. So we want to provide you something so that you can learn from the mistakes we made, start it off, hitting the ground running, and actually have success. So having an eight-week program where we're going to have a small group, 10 to 12 people, we're going to be able to talk, we're going to be able to communicate and really figure out what questions you have, what's stopping you, and how to break through any barriers like that. So you're going to be able to launch this thing feeling amazing and confident. And not only that, it's a community feel. So it's always better to have a support group around you when doing something like this. And I believe this will be a life-changing opportunity. So we're looking for 10 to 12 people. If you're interested or you feel called to this, I highly recommend checking it out. You can find on my Instagram, lance.esios. It's in the bio, the top one. It says, launch your own podcast course. If you click on there, it'll give you all the information and then we can hop on a call and answer any questions that you have. So I highly suggest if you're feeling called to start a podcast, but if you don't have the tools, the resources, you don't know how to do it, this is perfect for you. We'll help you the entire way to start and launch your podcast so it can be successful. So if you're feeling called, check it out. Link is in the bio on my Instagram, or if you feel like you want more information beforehand, send me a DM, happy to answer any questions, or email me anytime. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Man, I'm so fired up for today's conversation. You guys are going to love it. This guy is just such a breath of fresh air. We had such an awesome conversation. And to be honest with you, after this, after we, we recorded this, we talked for like another hour. So this guy is rad. We are introduced for... Um, through a fellow friend, Samantha Joy. Thank you for introducing us. This was just such a great conversation and I love this dude. So you guys are gonna love him too. I'm confident of that. Let me read you a little bit about his bio. So he was recently inducted into the Personal Trainer Hall of Fame. His writing has also been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, The Huffington Post, Men's Fitness, Thrive Global, and Bodybuilding.com. AJ Mirazad, is a keynote speaker at a high-end entrepreneurial and personal development events and is the host of the popular podcast, The Online Super Coach Podcast, which is available on iTunes and everywhere else. Along with inspiring the lives of the general public, he is dedicated to helping coaches create an ethical, profitable online income through his business mentorship program available at onlinesupercoach.com. So this dude is just a breath of fresh air. We talk about what's going on in the world. We get his perspective. He just had a crazy story when he was in Brazil. You're going to hear about it. And when I first got introduced to him, he told me this over um, a 
quick instant message on Instagram and he was talking about his story about what happened in Brazil and I was just blown away. So you guys are going to love this and you're going to want to follow this dude because he is awesome and whatever he's doing, he's doing well. And you know what? He's, uh, he's one of these kind of guys that you, I, I know that I've talked to him once and I'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know you will. I just say I hope because it's a habit and I just mean I know you'll enjoy it. So sit back, relax. AJ Mirazad coming right up. And we're on. AJ, thanks so much for joining us today, man. How you doing? Lance, thanks for having me. Grateful to be here. <laughs> Dude, so we're when we're recording this, it's June 5th. It's, um, it's a pretty crazy time in the world. You know, kind of how I have started this since this corona virus and everything, the craziness is... It's hard for me to not address the adversity going on in the world presently. So, you know, before we get into your backstory and and all about that stuff, kind of let's check in. Like, how have you been the last few months? Like, what's going on? And, you know, where are you at with all this? Yeah, you know, 2020 has been a, quite a challenging year, to be quite honest. Started off really well. And then uh, actually in February, I decided to book my dream vacation and went to Brazil for Carnival. And I've been planning this trip for my whole life. I always wanted to go there. So going there was amazing. It was uh, one of the best times I ever had. Three days into my trip, I decided to go to the gym. One early morning on the way back, I had a freak accident. I slipped on a staircase, a wet staircase. And from there, my left leg retracted all the way back. My heel hit the back of my head and my quadricep tore off my bone. It was the most excruciating, brutal uh, worst pain I ever had, paralyzing. So from that point on, I knew I had a big problem. I heard the tear. And when you tear a muscle, it's, it's horrible. So my leg was immobilized. I couldn't even stand up. And I went to the emergency room in Brazil and they said, hey, you tore your quadricep. Now we have to perform surgery. And of course, being there, I kind of felt weird having the surgery there. So I decided to fly back home to New York and uh, had an emergency surgery a week after this accident. And at that time, that's where the whole COVID uh, thing was going on. So to, to say the least, it was a very challenging beginning of the year. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people had 2020 as the year that we're just gonna, you know, take the bull by the horns and just dominate. And it, it was, uh, it was a tough start for me too, man. I, uh, well, it started off all right, you know, it felt good. And then it, it's things just, I don't know, you know, but as well, it, looking back, yeah, it was challenging, but all this stuff is going to help us grow. You know, it's all going to, I'm, I'm grateful for it as, as challenging it has been. I mean, that's when you grow, right? I mean, we, we have to go through these things. And with your story in Brazil, man, like I remember when you were telling me about it, I, I was like so shocked. And then what came out of that too? Yeah. So, you know, my whole life, it was faced with the extreme adversity, but I noticed like when the adversity is at its worst, there's a major breakthrough, you yeah. know, it's always, you always get tested right before a major breakthrough. So I knew if I was going through all this pain and this heartbreak and this challenge, something good was going to come out of it. Mm. So I had emergency surgery um, a week after it happened. And then as I was recovering, I posted about it on social media. I was getting a lot of love and support from people all around the world. And I was like, wow, people are so, so understanding and kind. I'm glad I shared this mishap. And then uh, I got a message from a woman who actually I was connected to for over a year on Instagram. She lives like 20 minutes away from me. And she left a really nice message. She said, you know, AJ, I'm really sorry to hear what happened. I'm actually Brazilian and you got injured in my home country. I want to make it up to you. So I would love to visit you and bring you some home cooked Brazilian food. Would you be up for that? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm lonely, I'm <laughs> depressed and I'm hungry. I would love that. I would really appreciate that. And again, we never met, but we connected with each other. So it was like, okay, this stranger's coming to my house. She's bringing food. I'm immobilized, uh, you know, with this leg. We're coming from surgery. I didn't think anything of it. And the moment she came in, we just had a powerful connection. She sat next to me. We were talking. And I was like, whoa, she's beautiful. She's amazing. There's something about her. And I felt this amazing energy. And I didn't realize that at the time, but she felt the same energy as well. And we just had a really great connection. I ate her food. It was delicious. And a few days later, she decided to come back. And from there, I knew this was a love connection. And to make a long story short, we just decided to start dating each other. 
And uh, we decided, hey, you know, let's commit. And she's been my girlfriend for the past three months. And it's been the most incredible love I've ever had. And I would have never thought that breaking my leg in Brazil would lead me to finding the one of my dreams, a Brazilian woman who's now the love of my life. Yeah, let's be honest. It's uh, they have some beautiful women in Brazil. So I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing, man. Like I, when you told me that, I was just like, how? Like that's crazy to think. I mean, when you go through something like that, it's hard to really see that anything good is going to come out of it when you're going through it, right? It's like we always think, oh, like after it's easy to say, oh yeah, it's something good's going to come out of it. But like when we're in that moment, it's hard to not be like, oh shit, like why would this happen? Like, you know, why, why is this happening? And to be able to hear something like that, that's just such a crazy experience, man. Like I can't even imagine. Like, yes. Yeah. And, and I appreciate it, Lance. And um, I think the one thing that came up for me was like, you know, we've been through so many ups and downs. And again, um, I think it was Napoleon Hill. You know, he said uh, the biggest opportunity comes from the seat of adversity. And it's like, you have this big problem and oftentimes we freak out. This is going to be the end. It's going to ruin me. This one problem is going to break my heart forever. I'm done. But it's like the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. And my entire life was uh, just these crazy ups and downs that showed that. Yeah, this is, this is the big point is like I, I love to talk about is how do you help people see that as, you know, the adversity is the gift. Like how do you... Because not everybody can, can, can take that. And I feel like the people that I've talked to or whenever I take that on as well, when you can learn that that adversity is the thing that you're looking for to grow, then you accept the journey as it is because you know something better is coming out of it. To get that reward, you kind of have to go through a bit of shit. You know, yes. get that. And how do you, how do you communicate that to people? Like, how do you teach that to people? Like how, how do you, without people be, being a victim and more of like coming from an empowered state? You know, I think that, um, it's the, the essence of life, right? We think about the, the ancient symbol of the yin and the yang, and there's this universal law that shows for as negative as something is, something positive is going to come out of it. And I feel that, you know, we look at life where you look at, you know, the animal kingdom, we watch the nature channel and you see this gazelle that's running through the savannah and a lion comes and chases it and a lion pounces on it, eats it, devours it. And for a lot of people, it's a sad thing. Oh, the poor gazelle, but hungry lion is feeding the family. And it's like this never ending cycle of life of, positivity and negativity and in the end of the day nothing is good or bad but it's a cycle that we live it's like it's a universal cycle uh, there's a great book called the Kabbalion, and it talks about the laws of the universe and there's a great line that says as above so below and there's this law of life that you know the human experience is based on like I said life and death you know dark and light so this this understanding that this is a part of the experience it allows you to, to, to have less anxiety or worry or suffer because that's how it is. How do you, during like, let's say we're right in the middle of craziness right now. Like, yes, like there's no doubt with, you know, the racial problem going on, you know, Corona to this with racial cops and this divide that's happening. Like, how do you stay centered? How do you stay grounded during this? I mean, because we're right in the middle of a shit storm here, right? It's yes. And it's, 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 it's always, it's fascinating to me to see like how people, how, how do we stay grounded during this? You know, like what are some things that you're working on or you're doing on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, just the, the constant question, um, what do I appreciate about this? What is the good mm -hmm. in this? And of course, you could watch the news. And right now in the United States, especially where I'm in New York, yeah. I mean, th th there's rioting and there's looting and there's protesting, there's anger, injustice. No, the police are right. No, the African-American community is right. There's all this uh, conflict. But then you ask yourself, okay, what's good about this? And one is obviously there's a lot of uh, problems that are coming to the surface. There's a lot of new activists that are, you know, stepping up leadership. 
And there is going to be change. There's going to be reform in the police system. There's going to be reform in the racial injustices. So with all this negativity, it's bringing a lot of stuff to the surface, a lot of things that have been dormant. And I believe there's a positivity that's going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is, is what do I appreciate about this? And what's the good that's going to come out of this? And, you know, I understand that history repeats itself. So we, we had a, you know, for decades, a civil rights issue where we had Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and a great leaders who came to the surface and stepped up and said, Hey, you know, blacks and whites are equal. We deserve rights. We deserve to vote. There should not be segregation. And people would say, well, this is the end of a society. There's rioting, there's killing, there's people being, uh, you know, shot in the street, but out of all that negative turmoil came human rights and came, you know, so it's this amazing thing where sometimes we have to have war to experience peace. Yeah, the before there's change, sometimes it's got to get dark before we can uh, see the light, right? I mean, like yes, it's, 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 it sucks to, to when we're going through it. But man, if you can just see past that as, you know, the death of old paradigms and, and shifting into the next thing, it has to go. We have to accept that in the moment. For us to change, for things to change. They're not going to change if they just stay stagnant all the time. And nobody yes. brings them to awareness, right? No great change happened until a person said, I'm, I'm tired of this shit, you know? And, yeah, uh, you know, I, myself, man, I was uh, 60 pounds overweight. I was obese for a big part of my life. And for years, you know, I was just looking in the mirror and I had these chipmunk cheeks and, and boy boobies and a big old belly. And I was so embarrassed to take my shirt off at the beach and I was very insecure with myself. I knew I had to exercise. I knew I had to eat healthy. However, it wasn't until I had a rock bottom day, I saw my reflection in the mirror and I, was, I had a bag of McDonald's in my hand and I said, enough is enough. I'm tired of this shit, you know? And it was that extreme pain, the frustration, the depression. It was a straw that broke the camel's back and that's why I started to make the change and reversed everything. And I feel like everyone has a day that they're just tired of their own shit. Mm, where yeah let's unpack that how old were you when you were because you were in the restaurant industry as well right and I, yes. I i was for many years also bars restaurants it was pretty much my entire 20s and early 30s so you know that that industry itself although taught me a lot was very soul sucking in another way because you know you you get you start to get involved in that whole scene of it becomes a big party and eating bad and drinking um Walk us through your journey a little bit in the timeline of, you know, that, that part of your life, the restaurant industry, and your deciding to change when you decided to kind of make a change with your life and kind of get in shape and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, weight loss and obesity is something I've struggled with for a big part of my life. And I came to America as an immigrant. I was a year old. We came from a war-torn country. We were refugees. So my family was very poor, and we grew up in a, in a very poor community. Mm -hmm. We're on welfare and food stamps because we had the, the, the language barrier, the culture barrier. We were escaping being killed in a war-torn state, so we didn't have a lot of options. So coming here, you know, my father was young. He had four boys, and he didn't have a lot of options. He worked two, three jobs, and he experienced a lot of pain, and his pride was taken away coming to this country, not having any respect or not having any skills. So instead of taking a productive route, he took a destructive route and he became an alcoholic. Because of that, he became very abusive. So when I was a little boy, my father would beat me for no reason. He would call me fat, stupid, lazy. Mm -hmm. And I was experiencing a lot of negative, um, j j just reprimanding for no reason. So I was wrong with me. Why is he hitting me? Why is he being so violent? But what really affected me more than my own personal abuse was he was abusing my mom. So for the first 10 years of my life, he was hitting my mom, cursing, yelling. I would you know, be in this situation, two people that I love, paralyzed with fear. They would fight. My father beat my mom. So I didn't know that this was wrong. I didn't have another person or an adult to, to speak to. I'm in a domestic violence situation. I thought this was how life was. So I was experiencing a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort. I didn't have anything else to help myself but food. Mm -hmm. So I would eat to numb myself, eat until I was full, eat till I wanted to vomit because as this boy, I was experiencing this 
really negative, violent environment and food was the cure. So that was the start of my obesity and being a fat chubby kid because every time I would see my parents fight, I was you know, trying to process this pain and food was numbing me. And then as I got older, I discovered, okay, food could numb you to a certain extent, but drugs and alcohol, that'll really numb you. So I started drinking and I was drinking a Bacardi 151. I don't even know if they make that anymore, but I was not. Yeah, man, I remember that. (laughs) Just getting it and just drinking and taking shots of it. Wow, I feel nothing. I don't have any pain. I don't have any stress or anxiety. Then it was cocaine, ecstasy, crystal meth, Vicodin, Percocet, not even individually with alcohol combining. And I had multiple drug overdoses. And again, that's what led me to saying, all right, enough is enough. I'm obese. I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. If I don't stop, I'm going to die. And that's when I started to turn my life around. Wow, man. That's, uh, that's heavy stuff, man. I know it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, because that trauma and I've, I'm, and I'm excited to talk about psychology as well with you. Cause I know that you're skilled in that. And it's what I'm learning is that, you know, that trauma that we have, there's so many ways of, of masking that with these different, like with food or sex or you know, porn or alcohol, drugs. And, and, and really, you know, I never understood that, you know, how, how these things are created, how trauma is created. And then, you know, we find these ways to cope with that feeling of discomfort and we don't even realize we're doing it at the time. And that's why alcohol is, is dangerous because it may start with food, but then you get alcohol in your system and then you start to get feedback. This feels good. I feel relaxed. Yeah. I feel like I can escape. And then, you know, and this is how for me, the restaurant industry tapped into this even more is that like, oh, yeah. you get the feedback from people and girls and, and partying and you get rewarded for this sort of toxic behavior, which is fun at the time, but you don't realize like the, 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 the loophole that you're creating and the rabbit hole you're going down because you're constantly filling that, that, that void, which is essentially trauma, right? Oh yeah. Man. And, and it's crazy when you realize the direct correlation between eating and, 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 and feeling because that food can give you that satisfaction, that comfort that you may be seeking, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I took me a while to really understand the the pain, trauma, filling the void link, but back then I don't know any better. You know, I just had this feeling of stress and anxiety and depression and I want this feeling to go away. And I knew if I drank the right amount of Bacardi 151, I would feel nothing. I was like, whoa, I'm confident. I could dance. I could go talk to girls. I just, I don't feel anything. And I just got uh, addicted to that feeling nothing, the feeling of nothingness. And I thought, you know, alcohol, okay, it could only get you so far. Well, Vicodin, these opiates, they do the same thing. I feel nothing. And it was like, I don't feel any emotion. And I was numb. And to me, it was like numb was good because numb means I'm not in pain. But numb is just suppressing and suffocating the pain and trauma that I need to feel. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's fascinating stuff, how, how this all works. And when you start to unpack it, realizing that it's not your fault, you know, like you just sort of be, you just sort of like, you're just going off the basis of not having to feel that, that shitty feeling, man. And you find ways and we're young, you know, we're teenagers, we're kids, we're young and whatever way we can get away from that feeling, you know, and it's not like we're like, oh, I'm purposely covering up a trauma here, right? Like you yes, said, connecting yes. the dots. But now in hindsight, when you look back, it's like, ah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, you know? totally. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I grew up in a very violent household. There's a lot of trauma. Yeah. I didn't have a proper guardian. Yeah, I didn't have like a guidance counselor or a coach or a mentor who looked at my situation and said, man, this is a, a kid who's dealing with a lot of you know, challenges. Let me have a talk with him. Let me allow him to express and vent. And uh, of course, I, I had to do that myself and I had to do it the, the very difficult way through the drugs, through the overdoses, through the addictions. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I have a newfound respect for someone, you know, if someone is an addict or someone has a challenging life, I now could relate to them. I say, I, I was that kid. I, I see how this made you the person that you are. And, and, and I forgive a lot of people because, you know, who I was back then, I'm not very proud of. And I look back and say, you know, there's a lot of people right now, they're dealing with uh, something with their personality or, or they're mean, but they're also battling something that we know nothing about. Maybe it was their child. Maybe they were molested or abused. And because of that, they're lashing out as adults. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's definitely allowed me to give people more grace because we see life through our eyes, our lens. And if you haven't seen life through those cloudy lenses, it's really hard for you to kind of understand. And now, man, I have so much grace for people. If they do something, if there's something, I'm like, fuck, you know what? It's probably, you know, they're, they're probably going through some stuff. So I can't judge this person because shit, when I was in that situation, I can't say I would have made a better choice, right? And it's like, you yeah. really got to be, you got to have that, that compassion for people and the empathy that like, man, we don't know what's, what's going on there. And I feel like as you start to make the transition and, and for myself, I'm kind of in the middle of it too, is just like, wow, like people are going through stuff and we really don't know. So the best you can do is just be a, you know, help. It, like for me, I'm just like, man, like understand where they're coming from and accept where they're at and don't judge people because I know that I was there. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm sure you could be the same. It's like, there's just so much Absolutely. more grace for people now. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. That's a great point. I was thinking about uh, the, the famous mother Teresa quote, you know, if you judge someone, you have no room to love them. And judgment is coming from ego. Ego separates us. Yeah. They are wrong. I am right. We are different. We are separate. Whereas love is we are one. I see you. I'm exactly like you. I have the same demons and the same positive traits. And it's this connection. And the moment you judge someone is, is you, you're taking a side to separate. Yeah. And, it, and I've realized too, the, the amount that I'm loving myself is as cheesy as cliche as it sounds. That will show up in how I look at others. You know, oh, I'm, yeah. if I'm beating the shit out of myself, like, oh, you know, negative and hard on myself and we all get like that, that shows up in how, what I see in other people, right? Like people yeah. don't realize that the lens you're looking at comes from what you're putting in yourself and how you're seeing other people is a reflection of how you treat your own self. That is so true. That's a brilliant, Lance. I love that, right? It goes aligned with that uh, hurt people hurt people. And, oh, you know, the, the officer who killed George Floyd, uh, he is obviously dealing with a lot of pain, yeah. a lot of self-hate, a lot of demons. I'm sure he was not happy by any means. And no one who is happy is going to be a terrorist or a murderer or a serial killer or a rapist. They have extreme demons that they're facing within themselves. And unfortunately, instead of loving themselves and facing those demons, they take it out on someone else. Yeah, man, that's a whole thing too. It's, it's, it's really, of course, you know, we want to, what, what someone like that does, it's such a terrible thing, but it's like, I get curious about, well, what's going on in that guy's past? You know, like what, like, why did, what did he learn? Like, what did he need to unlearn? You know, because yeah. there's a lot of ignorance too. And like, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and I forget the name, but there was this guy that, that he, he was a black guy and he, had met with these KKKs. Oh, yes. Converted them, got yes. them to leave the, the KKK. You saw that as well? You guys yeah, listening, you if, you, if you guys haven't yeah. seen this, yeah. you guys go to check it out because this really gave me insight to be like, sometimes this shit is just pure ignorance. Like these people just aren't exposed to anything other than what they've seen. And it's like, as soon as they're educated or, or given some light that... I'm just like you. You're just like me. We all love. We're all successful. We're all, you know, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Why am I hating? Like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Right? Like, yes. No, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw the episode. The gentleman's name is uh, Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis. He, yeah. Yes. And he's a musician. He's just a great musician. He decided one day, hey, I'm going to convert racists into good people. And he's got the record of converting the most KKK members, white 
supremacists and Nazis into kind, loving people. And it's the ability to love people, not judge them, and at the same time, understand their perspective, have empathy. You know, on a similar note, I was watching this documentary about serial killers and sociopaths and pedophiles, you know, the worst of the worst humans, the most evil, destructive, just causing harm to others. And every single one of them was either molested, abused, had something happen in their childhood that triggered this side of themselves. And there's not been a single case of an evil person who didn't have a rough childhood. Mm, yeah, it's such a good point, man. It's such a good point. Let's um let's let's go back to when you made this switch because how did you so walk us through the process of getting off the the drugs and and getting into that like what did that look like and a timeline like how old were you and you know when you hit a rock bottom you don't even really you're just like fuck I got to change you know what was your thought process bit of a loaded question, but like put us back into that situation a little bit. And what did you have to do? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was very stubborn because I had multiple overdoses until I finally quit. And this was in my early twenties when it got really bad. That's when I was getting really aggressive with the hardcore drugs and mixing drugs. And uh, I would often start doing drugs like on a Friday night and I would be going until Sunday evening, Monday morning sometimes, binging. And that was my problem. I would be very extreme. I would just go and go and go. And what I call is, is really chasing the dragon. And I would love to chase the dragon. And there was this high, this feeling that, I, okay, if I have this right combination of drugs, I have this high that I, I, I'm in enlightenment. And then I would keep chasing it. And you chase this elusive dragon. And when you're catching the tail, it gets away from you. So you take more and more and more. So I would find myself in situations where I took way too much and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to overdose and I would have multiple overdoses. Oftentimes it was in my room or at a friend's house, even at a club or a bar. And then one time it happened where I was in a Taco Bell and I just, just took way too much the night before. And the moment I had a burrito, I overdosed on the Taco Bell floor. And I was taken to the emergency room, had police come, ambulances, but I was able to keep it a secret from my family. No one ever found out. So I would somehow, some way rationalize or I'm going to quit. This would be on a Sunday and kind of like alcohol when you have a bad hangover, you know, by next weekend you start drinking again. So there was this nonstop cycle that I was like, wow, I think, I think I'm an addict because I can't stop this. Even overdosing is not allowing me to quit. Then at the age of 26, I had the worst overdose of my life. And this one actually put me in a coma for seven days. I overdosed. I was pronounced dead. And then I went into a coma. I was brain dead where for seven days I was not able to talk or move or, or nothing. My, my family thought I was a vegetable. Now, being in this state, my entire family knew, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, all my friends, literally everyone I knew in my life came to visit me at the hospital to pay their respects. And finally, after being in a coma for a week, I woke up out of it and I said, what just happened, right? I, oh. I, it was like, my, my mom told me everything and then I was realizing like, this is the absolute worst. And that's when it hit me. That was my rock bottom. And I said, wow, I could have killed myself. I could have you know, been born here, died at 26, did nothing with his life, gone. I hurt my family, my brothers, my aunts, my uncles, all my friends. I felt so bad. Coming out of the hospital, I just felt like the worst person in the world, putting all these people through pain. And I went into the deepest, darkest depression for that month out of the hospital. And I said, this is it. I have to change. Coming out of that coma, I realized that if I don't change right now, I'm going to die in the next year or so because I was given a second chance and I got a new lease on life. A higher power cared for me in order to allow me to live through this overdose and they need to make a massive change. So at the age of 26, I threw everything I had away, all the drugs, all the alcohol. I went on a, a sober streak. I cut off all my toxic friends, all the people I would go out and do drugs with, my druggy buddies. And I decided to take all my energy and all my focus and put it towards good. In that, that moment, the moment I walked out of the hospital, I started a journal. I said, I'm going to document my life and just write inside a journal every negative thought I have, every positive thought. I've not missed a day since then. 
And I've started reading books. Uh, prior to that, I just read the books in school. But I was reading 20, 30 books a year. I decided to focus on my health and fitness. I lost 60 pounds. I really got deep into personal development. And I said, I have to learn psychology because my mind almost killed me. So I want to go back to school, get my master's in psychology to understand how to use my mind for good. And then six months after I got out of the hospital bed, out of the coma, I started my first business. And it was like my whole life turned around. In that moment, it was like a line in the sand. Mm -hmm. And it was my whole life changed for the positive. And that's why I devoted my life to helping others because I said, if I, if I have a second chance to live, I want to leave the legacy. I want to make an impact. I want to change lives. And if I would have died that day, I would have never had that chance. So I'm extremely grateful to be alive. I'm blessed to, to breathe and to walk and to have this second chance at life. And every single day in my journal, I write, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to breathe. I'm grateful to have a sound mind because now I have the ability to actually make a change. Wow, man. Isn't that amazing how you can put so much stuff in your body and you're still here. And then there's other people who have just died from like something mixed a little bit of sleeping pills and booze. And it's like, I look at it like, man, I'm like, I hear you speaking. And I'm like, I, I didn't get to the, that degree where, but I was close. I was close, you know? And there was times where I look back, I'm like, well, I don't know if I should be here right now. You know, like yes. grateful to be here. It's like, whew, like, how did I even like, why did my heart not stop? I mean, ridiculous, you know, days of drinking and, you know, Coke and then, I don't man, mixing shit. Like, and then yeah. somebody, somebody else, you hear of it and you're like, wow, they just, they just died from, from it's sleeping. Half an ambient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's like, it's, 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 you realize, and then you're right. That gratitude is like, I was here. You're here for a reason. It's clear yes. that you're here for a reason. Right. And yes. it's, it's really like, and I just hearing that, I'm like, man, I, I got to, go back to thinking, thinking that as well, because when you put yourself in that grateful position, it's, it's so humbling and so important because any of us could have been gone, but we're not. And yeah, what are we going to yeah. do with this? Like, are we just going to like, you yeah. know, like you got to make a, you got to, you got to make an impact as, as you're doing, man. And it's just, it's so awesome to hear. That's a great point, Lance. I, I do think about that because I hear these stories of these uh, cancer survivors. Someone's diagnosed with stage four cancer. A doctor says you have three months to live. And they're like, I don't have three months to live. I'm a survivor. I'm going to fight this thing. And they fight with every cell of their being. And the cancer goes away and it goes into remission. They become the healthiest human being. Whereas other people, you know, they drink too much or they take one ecstasy pill. They overdose. They, they die yeah. in their sleep. There's people that, like I said, secretly are suicidal or they have dark thoughts. I don't know the science behind it, but I do feel every living being either has the will to live or the will to die. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly talking about death or suicide or destruction or, you know, you don't love yourself and you say, you know, I don't deserve to live. The world doesn't want me. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think the heart, the mind that, you know, I said, hey, this guy doesn't want to live, then We'll just let him go, you know? Yeah. So I do think there is something behind our belief system when it comes to life and death. Yeah, man. It's a tough, it's a, it, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a tough conversation, to, a tough pill to swallow, but I really believe that too, man. I believe that our mindset has a way bigger piece than we think it does because we can't see it or tangibly put our fingers on our thoughts, right? You know, it's hard to quantify it, but like, it's, I, I believe that too, that, you know, your belief to survive is so important or your, your belief to create anything in this life because people say, oh, you can create anything you want. And, you know, I've been told that my whole life, like you could literally do what you want. And some people go, oh, that's bullshit. You can't, but you, I, I really believe now, like if you truly believe in yourself without being cheesy or anything, like you can get through shit, like you can create things. It's, but like the people that actually believe them in themselves are the ones that have gotten through this stuff. The, like, so how can you, how can you deny that? And I'm realizing it more and more, especially now learning about personal development, learning about getting through hard times and learning about people that have, have gotten through these crazy things. And what's the, what's the factor? It's gotta be the mindset. It's, it, it's gotta 100%. be you know, but it's not, it's not talked about enough. I mean, it's getting better now, but it's such a big factor. 
You know, it is 100%, you know, and I'll tell you what, like when I um, had the overdose and I was recovering and I was journaling and like I said, reading 20, 30 books in that first year, one of the first books I read was Think and Grow Rich and uh, Napoleon Hill classic, you know, and uh, that book blew my mind and anything you could believe you can achieve. Whoa, really? You know, and and money is really a structure of the mind and I could think and grow rich. It's like it changed my belief system. Mm. And I remember a part of the book where it was talking about, like, you know, set financial goals for yourself. And I would literally like Bart Simpson in my journal, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am. A, I was writing it down over and over and over again. And as I mentioned, you know, within six months, I started my business that gave me the ability to now bring in more income, to have control of my financial destiny. Within five years of that coma, growing my business, understanding sales, marketing, understanding how this financial system works, I became a self-made millionaire. Mm. I became a millionaire and it was literally because I wrote it down, I took the appropriate actions and I believed it was possible. Now, prior to that accident, my entire life would have said, I would have never been a millionaire, right? It was, you know, growing up in poverty. It was six adults living in a one bedroom house, being on food stamps, welfare, public assistance. You know, my, my family were growing very, very poor. We lived in the projects. It's like my destiny was never set out to be a millionaire. So I had to overcome a lot of odds, a lot of uh, limiting beliefs, financial beliefs that money was hard to find. I was always going to be poor. I had to rely on the government. So I had to change my mindset first and then my reality soon followed after. Yeah, that's that book is huge. And 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 that's such a perspective shift for so many people. Like just understanding that to create wealth wealth or anything, it has to start with a thought. It has to everything starts with a thought. And then you take the thought and you just apply whatever you need to do that aligns with that goal that you have. And you do that consistently. It's like, you know, when you hear it, it sounds easy, but I mean, it's, it's not easy, but that's what happens is it has to come from a thought and you have to just say, well, what is this thought now? What do I need to do to get there to make it real? Right. And some people just think that everything is just luck. Oh, they got lucky. You know, they're rich. They're, they just got this because it was like an accident. And it's like, well, no, like there has to be, they had to have thought of this and, and it fascinates me how, they can take that and turn that into actionable steps, you know, and the consistency yes. over time and, and accepting that you're going to have the people telling you this or that, telling it it's stupid, telling it, telling you that that's all woo woo or whatever, but that's part of the yeah. journey, <laughs> like, right? Like yeah. You got to go through that shit. You got to go through it. And I think the, the biggest thing is just the power of beliefs, right? Yeah. Beliefs are everything and our perceptions about, wealth, our perceptions about love and relationships, about fitness, about happiness. And if you believe that, okay, I want to be peace of mind all the time. That's my standard. So whatever it takes yeah. that peace of mind, regardless of any chaos, I can have that. I want love. I want an amazing soulmate relationship. I want someone who I'm going to live the rest of my life with and start a family with. Great belief system. Yeah. I want financial abundance where I can live anywhere I want to live, buy anything I want to buy, give back to charity, never be in a situation where I have to think about my budget. That is possible. I want to be fit and healthy, have high energy, pull up my shirt and see a six pack, right? These are all beliefs. And then there's a formula. Every single thing you want, there is a formula to get there. So it's a matter of getting your mind aligned and finding the formula and just executing on it. Mm. So yeah, dude, I, Exactly. The more I talk about this, the more I, I, you know, got to take my own advice. I got to take, you know, it's, it's easy to say and it's like, but it's so true. There's, you just have to, you have to do the work. You got to put it in the reps, right? Like anything yes. getting in shape. It's not like you can't just go to the gym once and just like, oh, it's gonna, there's, there's so many things that you got to do, you know, with eating. you can't pay someone to do your pushups for you. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about this, this, I want to unpack the psychology aspect of, you know, healthy body, healthy brain, and maybe walk us through that. And maybe 
how do you get your clients or yourself even to, how do you process your trauma from the past? Because it, it never really goes away, but we get better at dealing with it. Or maybe you have, but obviously having that brain, healthy body, healthy brain connection is processing somebody's trauma that's using food as a, as, as a mask, right? So walk us through that a little bit because I find that fascinating on how people are able to kind of switch that to get the results they want. Yeah, absolutely. So one must understand the uh, mind-body principle when it comes to your uh, physiology affecting your physicality. So what I mean by that is cortisol is a hormone that we have in the body and cortisol is responsible for tearing down muscle and hoarding body fat. The more stressed out we are, the higher levels of cortisol and that affects our metabolism, that affects our cravings and eating. And the moment we are stressed out, we have a stress response. The body produces more cortisol, so it hoards body fat, it breaks down muscle tissue, and it makes us hungry and tired, and it wreaks havoc on, on, on every cell of our body. So we have certain triggers, certain things that affect us, and in the moment that a trigger occurs, we have a choice to numb the trigger, to suppress it and suffocate it with food, alcohol, drugs, or sex, porn, you know, masturbation. We have a way, okay, I don't want to feel this, so let me numb it. Or a way of the introspection and peeling away the layer and looking at the trigger and how does it affect you. So great example, uh, this week I had a little bit of stress because I paid someone for services, right? So I paid a good amount of money for marketing services and I had expectations of this helping to grow my business. Now this particular person completely ghosted me. I paid them the money, they blocked my phone number, blocked me on social media, just completely screwed me over, right? I go into stress, anger, this is not fair, why did I do this? I lost all this money, they scammed me, literally scammed me. So a trigger is happening and I'm getting upset and I'm getting angry, okay, what do I do, what do I do? And then I realize, okay, I could go and have some uh, glasses of whiskey, calm myself, smoke some weed, take an edible, you know, go look at some porn. I mean, all these options to escape this horrible negative feeling. Or I could lie down, meditate, journal, understand where is this trauma? Where did it come from? Where's the root of it? And I peel away layers. Okay, money, someone screwing me over, not having money. Why does it bother me so much? Why does it bother me so much? Why is this affecting me? Uh, someone's taking advantage of me. So I'm thinking back and it's like, Wow, I had this childhood experience of being poor, of my parents being at the table and fighting over, you know, we're not going to pay the bills. How are we going to pay rent? How are we going to feed the kids? Money, money, scarcity, money's hard to get. This person took money from me. They took a part of me. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm like unraveling this trauma and realizing the source of where it's coming from. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, is this enough money that for the next few weeks, I'm going to be stressed about it. I'm going to be self-destructive. I'm going to screw up my liver, get angry, and just increase my stress and cortisol. Or can I really let this go and find the lesson in this and say, you know what? What did I learn from this? This is a very expensive lesson. What did I learn from this? Well, one, um, I need to have a contract before I render services. I need to have a way that if this person doesn't follow through, I could get my money back. You know, I could be smarter about it. You know, what, what if it was 10 times the amount? So I have now the ability to take this trauma, find the root cause, but also reframe it to something more empowering. Because it could be disempowering. I don't trust people. The world's out to get me, you know, or create a very beautiful, wonderful, empowering story that makes my life better. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Um... And it's, it's too bad because you're obviously a guy that trusts people and the problem with our society, it's like, you know, we're, you wouldn't fuck somebody over. So why would they do that to you? And that's my mentality too. It's, yes, like, it's exactly. like, why, like why, you know, and it's too bad because that's what makes people not want to do business. With, like that's what makes it wrong for so many people that are, it's like a bad cop, right? It's like not all yeah. cops are bad, but if one kicks the shit out of somebody or kills somebody, then they're all kind of, they're, they're painted like that. And that's why it's a problem with something like that online. It's like now people, now you're going to be like, well, now I don't want to like, you know, 
somebody that's trustworthy, you're not going to trust as much. It's human nature, right? You're like going to be, you're going to tread a little lighter because you're cautious. Yeah. Yeah. Which is too bad. Right. And the same thing happened with me. I had my Instagram account. I got it hacked. I got it stolen. I had to start from scratch and it was brutal. It was brutal. I had a, I had a good account and for the longest time I was trying to get it back. And, and I was asking like, what is the lesson? And there's so much negative energy around that account trying to get it back that I just said, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to wow. start from scratch again. But it was the same thing. That's what came up to me. It's like, it's like you can really ask yourself, like, what's the lesson here? You know, what can I do here? It's, it's you know, the, the money's gone. You know, it's gone. Do I want to keep wrapping my head around, like, why this happened to me? Like, or do you want to just go, all right, what can I do now? What did I learn? You know? and move forward because you could just drive yourself crazy. And in that moment, so many people in that moment, like you said, that cortisol will allow them, will, will force them into some sort of, I got to mask. Flight. Yeah. I got to yeah. mask it. I got to order. I got to eat two pizzas. Like I got to like, yeah. I got to drink this or I got to do that. And it's like, go to Pornhub. Oh man. <laughs> like, wow. What a, what a crazy thing that is too, that nobody yeah. talks about like the porn, like, People watching that shit, it's like, hey, I'm not going to say I'm <laughs> any better than anybody. Like, but I mean, holy man, nobody talks about that. That's a crazy, yeah. that's a crazy way to medicate your, your, your like not wanting Desires. to feel the yeah. moment. Or, hey, like even right out of Think and Grow Rich, how many people actually charge that up, that sex energy? Like, yeah, yeah, sexual the, transmutation. Yeah, and that's that goes back to Kundalini and everything, yeah. and and that goes back to like you know Joe Dispenza, charging that sexual energy. You can move that into creative thought. It needs to go somewhere, right? It needs to be channeled. Think how many people don't ever even give themselves a shot to use that as creative energy because there's so much shit to just distract us and and yeah. porn and. Like, what if we all just, hey, maybe let's go without for a little while, you know, like. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's why, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, a dopamine detox. Yeah. But they're finding so much about how social media, porn, anything that excites you that has a high um, excitement but low value is, like, the worst thing because that yeah. addicts us. Even right now with the media, what is going on? There's rioting. There's wars. This said this. This side, you know, the left says this. The right says that. And um, actually – I went on a silent retreat like six months ago. So it's two weeks, no mm. internet, no phone, no social media, zero connection with anything that stimulates me. And it was a meditation retreat. We we're meditating for, you know, eight to 12 hours a day, pure silence. It was the hardest thing I did. No caffeine. It was, it was like, you know, pretty much fasting, low calories. It was everything that I used to numb myself, to distract myself, all taken away. And the first three days were brutal. It was two weeks of it. But after the getting through the first three days, it was like I was high all the time. I was in this euphoric feeling. It was like, whoa, like I could feel the wind and my huh. senses. And it was just being present. And I was just happy. And it was like, I didn't realize I could be so happy, but I have like nothing, you know, no internet, no phone. It was the best thing I ever had because my dopamine levels all of a sudden balanced out. I went to like, you know, ancient man not having all of these things right no sugar no caffeine no porn no internet no phones and coming out of there i was like reset i was getting up at 4 a.m i was sleeping eight hours i was so i had so much energy i don't know what to do with it and i realized like wow i need to do this silent retreat every six months i signed up for another one right after but the point i'm saying is like sometimes we have to you know like fast from everything that is detrimentally distracting us in order to, to find our, our core in our center. Man, it was that Vipassana, right? Vipassana. Yeah, Vipassana. Yeah, yes, man, yes. It's, a free, it's free too. I've been resisting it and I know I'm, I should be doing it. I know. Lance, do it. it. I know, man. Now you brought it, <laughs> it was, up. I'm like, I know. I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you like straight up. I've done every personal development event from like Tony Robbins to Landmark. I've done yeah. plant medicine, DMT. Yeah ayahuasca i've went into the deepest level of consciousness and out of everything i've done the vipassana silent retreat i would say is the absolute best wow. why because it's hard and there's no escaping it for 
you know, 12 hours a day, you're sitting down in the most negative, though the craziest memories. It's like you're facing everything. But the greatest thing about it, it's extremely tangible because there's no drug. There's no speaker being up there, right? You're going into your own psyche. And the lessons you learn from that, the, the, the rest of your life changes because it's tangible, right? You're doing it yourself. You're doing the work. Yeah, I... I am so with you on giving the body like a detox. See, and I haven't done it fully. You know, I haven't yeah. had a drink in probably three months. I went off coffee now nice. for probably two months. Wow. So like coffee, but coffee is one of those things. It's, it's everywhere you go. It's so socially acceptable. And it's like, ah, oh, it's just coffee. But it's like, well, no, it's not just coffee because I'm, I relied on it, man. Like I relied on it. And I think it's a great tool for people you know, whatever, but you got to know, like, if you're really like, for me, I couldn't do interviews without timing it properly. Like I had to like, it's, it was bizarre, dude. Like I would have a coffee and I was like, Oh, I can't have one too soon before that. Or I'm going to burn out. <laughs> like I can't have too many or I'm not going to go to one of the gym later. It's yes. like really bizarre. I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't work. This is not. So I've been off it. I'm in tea. I mean, I drink tea, but I have way less caffeine. And I think that's important for anybody to kind of realize, hey, there's a, there's a moment where you're like, I need to peel this shit back. And I was going to ask you this next question about social media. It's like right now, here's the thing. And I, I'd love your, your advice. It's like, there is so much, there's so much stuff in our face right now. And although part of me like wants to, I want to help. I want to like get involved. I want to, but part of me is like, whoa, okay. Do I need to detox from this shit right now? Because there's a lot. And I feel like I may be better service to people if I take some time out because there's just so much to process. Like, where are you with that? As far as like, what the fuck do we do? Do we just keep consuming or do we recharge or like, where is your, where is your angle on that? Because man, I'm lately, I'm like, what do I do? Do I sit in silence for a few days? And I don't want to say I'm ignoring it, but then I feel like I'm going to be better service to the world if I kind of pull out for a bit, right? Like, where are you at with that? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that <laughs> because I've been uh, extremely just uh, inundated. So many things are competing for my attention and I'm very emotional and I'm very just, you know, I have a lot of empathy it's for the world and everything that we're going through. And on the same token, you know, I go back to the Gandhi quote, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. And I'm a big believer in self-responsibility. And I feel like out of everything that's happening, the most powerful thing that every human could do on the planet is self-responsibility mm -hmm. because it is the people that are not taking responsibility to being victims that are blaming you are the enemy. No, you're the enemy. No, I'm the enemy. It's my fault. And yeah. I'm going to do that exactly because I was supposed to go on my silent retreat, my Vipassana, the one I signed up for, but it got canceled because of COVID. And it really disappointed me because I use those as my detox because I give my phone up, I give my caffeine up, everything, and I go into that zone and I detach from the world and I go into my own world, right? You have to disconnect to reconnect with yourself. But you know what? Since that is out of the cards, uh, my girlfriend and I, we're gonna do a mini silent retreat where we're gonna give up our phones and for three days for the weekend, go on a deep fast, meditate, no internet, no social media. We'll have conversations. We'll meditate. We'll write. We'll journal and come up with a solution. Go within and not allow the outside of the external. And no stimulus is going to affect me, right? Because when you, you know, it's like the, the, the needing nothing attracts everything. So I don't rely on anything and I create my own. I get half my own supply. Dude, I just got goosebumps when you said that. Needing nothing attracts everything. Yes. <laughs> dude, that's powerful. That's, that's my mantra. Oh, dude, that is powerful, <laughs> man. Needing nothing attracts everything. Absolutely. That's, that's, wow. and that's the number yeah, one philosophy on my life. That's where the magic comes in is when you don't actually need anything. <laughs> and then we're taught to just consume everything yes. because that's going to give us the, the, the thing that we're searching for. And that's the complete opposite is that what we're searching for, we have within. And in order to find within, we got to have nothing. Yes. <laughs> that's it. You know, you were saying like, Hey, you know, I was my relying on caffeine and timing it and 
what if you didn't have a need for caffeine? You could have your own adrenal glands develop your own natural energy, right? It's yeah. like, you know, I, I remember when I was quitting drinking and I was just had this fear, oh my God, if I go out and I don't drink, I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to talk to any girls. I'm going to be so nervous. And what if I didn't need alcohol? I didn't have the time. All right, three drinks. I got the right buzz. Now I go in. No, I don't need it. I just walk up and have the conversation. I just get on the dance floor because I have everything within me. Yeah. You know, you're the pharmacy of the serotonin, the dopamine, the norepinephrine. You have everything within you already. And a lot of times it's the placebo. You could have a sip of a white claw and you're like, all right, I got a nice buzz. I'm going to go and do this. No, you, you create that feeling yourself. Yeah. Yes. That's the, that's, that's the challenge. That's the key. How can you create that within yourself without the other things? And you can't actually know what that's like because we are so programmed from a young age to eat sugar and to have these things that, man, like how many people actually know what it's like to have no stimulants and no anything? Like it's, it's a very small percentage, including yeah. myself, like including myself. Like even I went to do a Kundalini men's camp, men's. Oh, wow. It was amazing. But like, I still, you know, we'd still look at our phones in the evening after the day or whatever. And we'd still, I'd still have caffeine. Like it was there, but like there is yet to be a time where I've completely just been like, that's it. Nothing. Just me. Just me. No, like. And it, it makes me think, and I hope you guys listening out there think too, like, you know, like what kind of freedom can you get from getting rid of all the shit, all the, to the toxic stuff that we get attracted to on a daily basis, you know, that we gravitate towards, you know, like who's social media, who's doing what, what's going on there and making us feel it's creating this judgment that we may not even be feeling without it there. Like we, we oh my God, yeah, totally different. Like we may get some sort of download that wouldn't have that that we wouldn't have even known to be possible, but we're literally closing the tap for that to come in because we're too stimulated with too much shit. That's, that's a great point. You you said it right there. You're closing the tap. You know you have this ability to you know download from consciousness all these great ideas, insights, a million dollar idea just waiting because it's not, it's not penetrating because you're always consuming, consuming, consuming. And I'm making a rule for myself. How can I create more than I consume? Right? Yeah. I feel like I have so much idea, so much creativity. If I spend time creating videos, doing podcasts, writing, just, just pouring all of this amazing wisdom out of my mind, you know, when you get to create more than you consume, that's where all the magic happens, right? Because you know this better than I do. Like, you know, what ideas are going to come when you're mindlessly scrolling on social media compared to actually taking action, doing something? Dude, I know. And, and just talking about this, I've told myself, I'm like, like, why am I on my phone so much? Like what part of me needs, what part of me is needs to be soothed here? Like what part of me hasn't been healed that I need to go on this stupid thing, this phone? Like, what am I doing? Like, why? Like, right. And I, I, I encourage yeah. everyone to get curious. Like, what, why do you need that phone? Like, why do we need to do the things we do? And how do we create these programs for ourselves? Like, why and why do we accept them? And, right? But it's so ingrained into our DNA now because you have everything in one device, which is crazy in itself. That's what they're built for, right? There's, you know, scientists that work day and night to make it more and more addictive, to make it more just your dopamine, you're getting this reward from it. Well, what's happening now? Okay, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, notification, DM, let's see the story. All right, oh, well, cool, there's a conflict. These people are fighting in the comments. Let me read this comment thread. 30 minutes in, you're like, what the hell did I just do, you know? And that's why I love conversations like this. And that's something that, that we're all missing, right? Just having a deep conversation. We're not looking at our phones. We're present with each other. And this is where all the magic happens. Man. Dude, this is, this is we're going to have to do a round two down the road, man, because I know we're running out of time here. I want to respect your time because, I mean, I know it's a, it's a busy time. So um, I, re I really appreciate you coming on, dude. And, oh, thank and you for having me. This is amazing. Dude, I, I really enjoy talking to you. I love your energy. I can see why you're so successful. Like, um, and I love how you're able to share your story. And 
and how you've been able to kind of tap into all these different areas, you know, the plant medicines and, 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 and really being open-minded and, and sharing your truth because that is what people need so badly is the truth. You know, there's so many people that are full of shit, you know, and they're doing their best, but they're full of shit. They're, they haven't accepted who they are and it's so important. So I can really, somebody like yourself that's had a similar background as me and that's like really doing the work to figure out like how to be the best human possible, right? And, and then at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all trying to do? Like just be the yeah. best you can be with what we got. And so thank you, dude, for what you're doing and, and, and coming on and dropping so much value. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. My, my pleasure, Lance. You know, it's really just about uh, being an eager student all the time. I, I don't know anything and I always remain humble and I'd rather have a mind that's open by wonder than one closed by belief. You know, yeah. I could believe I, the stuff I'm saying today. If someone teaches me a new method, I'll, I'll believe the new method. I'm open to it. I'm not going to stick to something and be so rigid. And I want to thank you. You know, I just want to commend you for this amazing podcast. You know, prior to me coming on here, I listened to the interviews and you're just so phenomenal. Like I've been on so many podcasts and listening to you ask questions, be introspective. It's just an amazing conversation. And I hope you have me on again because I would thoroughly enjoy just, just having a conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. It means a lot, man. It means a lot. And I just, I, you're right. Like we're students of life. We got to be. And yeah. it's funny, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know shit. Like yes. I realize, and I love that feeling. Like I yes, love knowing the that there's so much to learn. Yeah, exactly. Like, and anyone who says who knows it all, they're full oh, of shit and they're the most ignorant, closed-minded person. Absolutely. Where, where can we check you out? We'll have everything in the show notes. Where can everybody learn more about you? What's the best place? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, my website is onlinesupercoach.com. That's where I have all my trainings. I got my books on there. When I do live events, you can see the schedule. And uh, my Instagram, I'm really active on there. You know, just feel free to DM me. I would love to chat with you if you're deep and you listen this far and you're interested in this type of stuff. I'm always open for conversations. I learn the most from deep intellectual conversations. So my Instagram is really easy. It's Instagram.com forward slash AJ Mirzad, M-I-H-R-Z-A-D. Follow me. I'll follow you and we'll chat. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm super grateful Samantha connected us, man. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Samantha Joy. <laughs> yeah. She's a, a beautiful soul, such a, a giving, amazing super mom. So yeah. cheers to her. Well, to wrap up with the last question, man, uh, I always ask everybody, and out of your, in your journey so far, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? The one lesson that adversity taught me is the cheesy line, you know, when one door closes, another door opens. And now I look at adversity as a part of life, the yin and the yang, okay? There's negative and something positive coming out of it. So adversity shows me that I'm on the right path. Whenever I'm feeling a problem, I'm like, wow, this is room for growth. Adversity is like the ultimate gym. I go into the gym to train my body. I have adversity to train my mind. So I welcome adversity with an open arms because I know I'm going to grow. Woo. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks, everybody. If you guys can, please leave us a review on Apple. I'm trying to push for these reviews. And if you can, smash that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Follow AJ on Instagram right now. Check him out. The guy's amazing. Such a great dude. And I know you guys enjoyed that. So let us know what you think. Share with a friend. If you didn't enjoy it, let us know too. That's all right. I'm not going to be offended. All right. Much love. Catch you next time.